Good morning. Uh, the scripture passage this morning is Acts 23, verses 12 to 35. It's on page 525 of the church Bible. Acts 23, verses 12 to 35. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you in the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Peter before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning, don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he called two of the centurions and ordered them, get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency, Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had heard that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they are accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day they let the cavalry go on with them while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed, him, and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accuser gets here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. The word of the Lord. Passage. Whoa. Good morning. Well, nothing like a snowstorm to bring everyone out. So maybe we have more people online. Can you turn it down just a little bit? I feel so loud. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your church gathered. Thank you for your church scattered. Lord, I pray that we could have a nice I don't know if nice is the right word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here and that you would be present and that you would move and that you'd use this message and that you'd use our 
small group discussion time to, for us to experience you. That's what we want. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there's something that I'm pretty concerned about. It has to do with our youth. And I don't mean our teenagers. I mean like the little ones. Like the little ones. There's this thing that they're addicted to. And it's deeply concerning uh, because it gets in their brains, it gets in their minds, it controls what they want, what they're thinking about, what they're singing, what, they, what makes them happy. And I am talking about Encanto, the Disney, the newest Disney movie. Maybe some of you have heard of Encanto. Oh, man, it is tearing like a plague through the ranks of children, especially kids my age. Kids, my, the age of my children. I don't, I'm on a roll this morning with my, with my language here. So, they're, they're singing a song called Surface Pressure. So, like, none of you have heard this. Have any of you watched Encanto yet? Okay. Of course. Monica's watching it. Great. This sermon's for her. Okay. They're singing Surface Pressure, which is a great, you know, like, listening to it, playing it, and we don't talk about Bruno. These are all very entertaining songs. Oh, there we go. We're going to have a rendition. <laughs> Angela's going to give us an in-person rendition. So here's the plot line of Encanto. I guess it means like in house. There's this amazing family where each member of the family has a superhuman gift or ability. All right? Some super strong, one super strong. One can like sing and flowers sprout out of the, the, the trees and the, and the houses. One talks to animals. Another can like listen really well, uh, and and uh, one like feels when she feels different emotions like storms rise and the sun is out. It's pretty fun, but there's a, a member of that family who doesn't have any of these gifts. Right? She's not gifted in a supernatural way. And the plot line goes that like their house is the thing that gives them these magical powers, and the house begins to crack and break apart. And it's not the people with the superhuman gifts that save the house. It's the one with an ordinary life, the one without gifts that brings rescue and saves the day. Deliverance comes from a surprising place, from someone ordinary and unexpected. And that's what today's story, the story of Acts, is all about God's surprising deliverance of Paul from an unexpected place. So in our story, Paul is being held in the Roman barracks in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem called the Antonia Fortress. He does not realize how at risk he is, that there are 40 assassins plotting to kill him the very next day. This group goes to the chief priests and the elders, the people that he just got in a big argument with the previous day, and says that they will kill Paul if those leaders request that he is brought down to the council. And so uh, they bind themselves by an oath. They will not eat or drink until they have killed Paul. And just like visually to see like what I'm talking about, what happened, so there's the Antonia Fortress, and the, 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 the sort of the route that Paul would take with his Roman soldiers would be from the Antonia Fortress 
through the temple courtyard down to a side room in the temple. So here's a kind of a, a map of the temple to the chamber of hewn stone. So that's where the Sanhedrin, the council, would meet. And somewhere in this like half mile, quarter mile uh, journey, I think it's more of a quarter mile, these, these assassins would come out of the crowd and kill Paul. We just need to think about this for a moment. Paul is going to be, he's a Roman citizen, and he is going to be escorted by Roman soldiers. There is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> like, this is not just Paul's at risk. This is the temple's at risk. All of Jerusalem is at risk. Because if they successfully carry out their mission, Rome will probably come and, like, crush Jerusalem. It will be a very serious moment in the, in the history of Jerusalem. So the question is, who's going to rescue Paul? Who's going to rescue this fledgling Christian movement that's just getting up and going? Who's going to rescue Jerusalem? And we find unexpected deliverance that God brings along. It's like you've jumped into some water that's deeper than you expected, or it's rougher than you expected, and you need a life jacket. Paul needs a life jacket, and maybe in your life, whatever you're going through, you could use one too. Maybe it's health problems, maybe it's physical, mental, maybe it's financial problems or career or future challenges, or just wrestling with sin. God can provide deliverance, and he brings deliverance in four unexpected ways. The first one we find is that God brings unexpected deliverance through unexpected people. So who are the people God works through in this story? First, we heard about Paul's nephew in the scripture reading, right? His sister's son. We've never even heard about his sister up until this point. Maybe they had some sort of relationship. I assume so. This nephew hears about the plot. Must not have been super well known that they were relationally tied together. Otherwise, they might not have said this plot in front of this young man. He's about the same age as Eutychus, the guy that fell out of the window, or Paul himself when he was at the start of uh, when Stephen got stoned. There's the same Greek word kind of used of a young man. And he comes and he tells Paul, who sends him to the tribune, the commander, and then rescue, deliverance comes about. So why does this matter? It's because you're never too young or too uh, old or too... um, like least expected for God to work through you. God can work through anyone. God can work through teenagers. God can work through children. God can work through if you're retired. God can work through you if you're 34 or 50 or whatever age. You have a, a, a full-time job. You have a part-time job. You're stay-at-home parent. God can work through you in surprising and exciting ways. This young man heard what was right and did it. <laughs> Didn't do it for the viral like TikTok fame, right? <laughs> Just did it. And it put himself at risk. It cost him something. One of the youth ministry books I have tells the story of a young woman, a teenager, who challenged her church to, to be to love the carnies. So this is a word that I learned this week, carnies. Carnival workers, right? They were coming through her town. So her church put on an all-you-can-eat buffet for 200 carnival workers. 
The church didn't even say, hey, like, we're a church, we're doing this because Jesus loves you. They just did it. And one of the carnival workers came up to, like, one of the leaders and said, he's like a big, tough guy, tattooed, and said, you're a church, right? If I lived in this town, I'd come to this church. It was all because a teenage girl challenged her whole church body to love the carnies. How might we be challenged in surprising ways by surprising people? There's also the Tribune, right? Paul's enemy who nearly had him flogged, he becomes God's instrument of rescue. Like, that's a turnaround, I love that the gospel just like flips things around, right? Paul used to be a persecutor, becomes a missionary for Christ. The tribune was going to flog Paul, and now is an instrument of rescue. In fact, later in this passage, he writes to Felix, and it kind of makes himself sound like, hey, I rescued Paul. The Greek's not super clear, and whether he's like kind of building himself up or just giving an account. But the point is, God used someone who was least expected to bring a about deliverance. This tribune sends a total of 470 soldiers. It's 200 foot soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen. And he only likely had between 600 and 1,000 soldiers in Jerusalem. So upwards of 50 to 80% of his forces he sends with Paul. He actually puts himself at risk for Paul's sake. God's deliverance can come from an unexpected person in your life that you're going through. Certainly with the gospel, as we think about sin, it comes from a very unexpected person. Right? First century Jewish rabbi. God brings unexpected deliverance through unexpected people, and God brings unexpected deliverance in his unexpected timing. I wanted to show you a map of the, just kind of the journey, right? They go from Jerusalem to Antipatris, to Caesarea. It's about 60 miles total. I don't know if Paul had to walk all of that or if he got to ride one of the horses. Maybe there was a cart that he was taken in. But they left at 9 p.m., right? I don't like to drive any, anywhere at 9 p.m. 60 miles <laughs> during the middle of the night? Like, you don't know when God's deliverance is coming, came at an unexpected time. Just thinking about our life, sharing a little bit of Monica's story. Monica used to work part-time for a nonprofit, and she was looking around for a Bible, a high school Bible job, but didn't really think it would come through. And then in, it was literally a week. She went from getting her first interview to getting the job, to doing her dream job. One week. God provided deliverance. And ultimately, God will deliver us in our circumstances, either when Christ returns or when he, uh, or when he takes us home. We don't know when that will be, but we do know his timing is perfect. God's unexpected deliverance produces unexpected results. The, the 40 conspirators, they all died of starvation. <laughs> no, we don't know if that happened. I don't know, it's like an evil laugh. Apparently there's like this vow uh, in the, 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 I think it's the Mishnah, Netarim 3.3, I don't know exactly how to say those things, but if, you, if it became impossible to fulfill a vow, they were released from 
Val. So they probably did not starve to death or die. Because I spent a lot of time as a kid wondering what happened to those 40 conspirators. To understand the unexpected result, we have to see what God did through Paul. Acts 9.5, this is what, what an aunt, when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, Ananias received this message from the Lord. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Unexpected results from unexpected deliverance. Paul is going to preach to Felix, and we're going to hear about that next week, Lord willing. He's going to have the opportunity to share the gospel before Caesar. Philippians 1, 12 through 13, Paul talks about sort of what happens as he's imprisoned, as he's, he's taken to Rome, left in prison over the course of several years. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the, all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. How might your suffering How might your deliverance by God produce unexpected results? Who might you get to share the love of Jesus with that you would never have had that opportunity to share with unless you had gone through that thing? You know, sharing personally, right? My dad died of COVID this fall, and I've been trying to intentionally say, when I, when I share that news with people, just in conversation, that like my dad went to be with Jesus, right? Not just that he died or he passed, but like he went to be with Christ. And it's a way that I can just begin to head towards the gospel, whether or not they actually take the bait. Sometimes it produces sort of awkward, I'm just going to ignore that comments. Like I told my dentist, I think she was a little weirded out by it. But I want to share my dad has actually been delivered, right? When we think about death, we think about, like, uh, you know, the world sees just absolute loss and devastation. But Jesus uses death as an instrument of deliverance. Precious in the eyes of Christ are the death of his saints. So even if those 40 conspirators had been successful, and had taken Paul's life, Paul would have been just fine. Paul would have been okay. The gospel still would have advanced. Jesus is our unexpected Savior. He offers you his unexpected deliverance. There's so many ironies in this story. Like, I don't know if we always catch them if we just sort of read through it real quick, but like, the, the 40 conspirators called down curses upon themselves. That's what it means to take a vow. It's actually this idea of anathema. Like, may I be cursed if I don't kill Paul. Right? They bear the curse upon themselves so that Paul can, can go free. Now he's, taken, he's still in captivity, but he, he gets to go to Rome, and eventually he does get set free. Their curse, his life. They're the unwitting Christ figures in this story. They point to Jesus. Without even trying. Jesus has borne our curse, our sins, that we can go free. So the question is, have you received his deliverance? Do you believe or are you just going through the motions? Do you receive 
It's not hard. It's just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, throw me the life vest because I'm at the bottom of the ocean. I need you. Come and rescue me. Deliver me. Jesus is our unexpected Savior. God who took on human flesh, the most superhuman of beings, and yet walked among us, just like us. And it was by his suffering and crucifixion and death and resurrection from the grave that you and I can experience life everlasting. I hope you'll receive him today. For those of us that know him, I hope we'll look for God's movement, God's unexpected deliverance in our lives. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for Jesus, our unexpected Savior. As we break up into groups now to discuss, Father, would you send your Holy Spirit in a special way to anoint our discussion? There's not a lot of people here today, and we don't know who's on Zoom quite yet. But we trust that you've brought everyone here that you want here or on to Zoom. And would we just have a fruitful discussion marveling at your unexpected deliverance in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.